Hello and welcome back to another episode of Let Loose with Moose, where today I have the VC researcher with a Soviet metal arm, the Winter Soldier with me. Hi Winter Soldier, how are you doing? I'm doing great man, thanks for having me. And I'm super happy to have you on as well. So, could we start off with an introduction of yourself and let the audience hear about your crypto origin story as well? Sure, yeah, my name's Winter Soldier, um, well that's what I go by on Twitter at least. Um, I started in crypto, uh, I would say around mid 2021. That was when the, that was when like, it was like a raging bull market. Uh, NFTs were getting really big and I, and NFTs were actually my first foray into crypto in general. Um, and around that time, I remember buying, I would say at least 20 to 30 NFTs that basically all ended up being, you know, soft rugs or just rug pulls in general. And then uh, that actually made me quite upset. Um, and, and, uh, in, in my kind of frustration, I was like, I'm going to devote time to learning about the industry and make sure I don't get to make sure this doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I, I stayed behind and I gradually made the shift over to DeFi, um, on account of some friends who were really big in, into avalanche, uh, back then. Um, and so I kind of through avalanche, uh, learned a lot about DeFi, um, DeFi there was quite robust at the time. I think there was like Trader Joe, there was a Yield Yak, um, there was a Platypus and a few other, uh, like Ava Launch, for example, like a few other really, really sort of prominent um, DeFi protocols with really strong communities. And it was quite easy for me to learn and make friends. And I quite naturally was drawn to places where there was a lot of people and you could kind of ask questions and not be judged for the questions you were asking and just, you know, learn and that was that was quite appealing to me at the time so um because of that i basically back then quit my job uh and kind of like in real estate operations and the family office operations and i um, transitioned to a role uh in my current company where i mainly focused sort of on like marketing uh and like and, and like a pm role kind of um and then an extension of doing that um, was looking into other protocols and understanding what they do so that uh, the products I was managing would be able to either integrate with them or partner with them. And I basically kind of figured to myself, oh, if I'm already doing research and I'm taking notes, I might as well publish some of the, you know, the, re the research of the notes that I was taking. And then that slowly transitioned to a role where I would not only like kind of look at projects, but also help the company do research um, on some of the protocols that we were interested in at the time. Uh, and then, so that's kind of how I ended up where I am right now. So um, right now I split my time between, um, I still do some PMing um, and I split my time between PMing as I mentioned, um, and then research and also some BD as well. So that's kind of like a very, very short recap of a very, very long and kind of a fruitful journey in crypto. So awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. I mean, it's really nice to hear that actually we kind of have the, the same story, I think. Like I started in 2021 as well. And also because of NFTs, which they rub, right? The first one that I bought the rub. So 
yeah, super heartwarming uh, or or not heartwarming to hear that we share the same story. <laughs> no, yeah, everyone, you just you just have to be rugged at least like once, like I think once or twice. I think three times mm-hmm. is like 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 the max kind of, but I just got rugged like a lot because I just bought a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I think you I think once you, um, it's like a trial by fire, right? You 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 right. learn more when you're in the trenches and you're okay. I can't do this ever again. And I think that is a better learning experience than reading about it or like you know like writing about it so to speak yeah exactly exactly right and, and just a curious question on my end because I, I know you're kind of based in hong kong right and could you share a bit on how the crypto scene in hong kong looks like right now like i know you guys have been making some pretty huge progress recently i think a lot of news has been going out so we'd like to hear it from you yeah yeah i think um I'll probably tackle this question kind of like from like a few angles. I think the first thing is uh, the government is definitely a lot more receptive. And I would say, and I would use the word encouraging towards crypto. Um, Right now, actually, there is sort of a, so Hong Kong usually has like a fintech week uh, around this time. Uh, the every t- uh, every year around this time of the year, they, there's like a fintech week where basically there's a large exhibit with uh, lots of you know really big banks, local, regional, international um, uh, regulators. They basically all come together. Uh, fintech companies they all come together and basically have this really big conference. And there's actually an extension or an offshoot of that conference that's actually hosted by the government um, called like Hong Kong Web Three Month, where basically it's a month, multi-week, I think a month-long series of events, including hackathons, ETH Hong Kong, and a few other sort of builder-centric events um, where they would invite developers, uh, the people to participate. And I think that um, in combination with a few other events that were held this year in Hong Kong, like FOMO, I think those are quite indicative that the sentiment, at least from a government sort of policy-making perspective, has changed because um, it, it, they're they're pushing they're quite openly not like advocating for it but then they're including that into kind of the general sort of fintech sphere in hong kong so that's definitely a plus um i, I would still say that sort of from a um investor's perspective i think there's still a lot of hurdles to to for us to jump over um, recently, I'm not sure if you know, but there was a really big incident with JPEX where basically this centralized exchange um, basically made off of like, I think $1.2 billion for the customer funds. Um, and obviously y- you can read between the lines and think, okay, well, this kind of scam could have happened with a lot of, in a lot of other industries, a lot of other industries, right? Uh, gold, jewelry. Uh, but then since the context is in the crypto context, right? Uh, people naturally associate sort of the asset class with that kind of behavior, which is a really big, which is which is basically a really really big stain on um, you know, the impression of the, the the industry has on um, <clears throat> on the people of Hong Kong, right? Like I remember when JPEX happened, I got like maybe four or five phone calls from like aunties and uncles going, "Oh, like, are you okay? Like, what happened? Like, is this you?" And I was oh, like, wow. "No, I, yeah, I I do research. I don't really <laughs> do any of those things." Um, but yeah, so. And then I think the last thing is um, for kind of people who are in the space, um, I think Hong Kong has a lot of really resilient crypto teams. A lot of them have a lot of 
the crypto community in Hong Kong, I would say, is really big. But for the people who are in the space, there's a really, I would say, there is a quite a strong foundation of people who've been building since like 2017, 2015, or even earlier. And they've basically stuck around and stayed in Hong Kong for that entire period of time. And um, and I, I do think that they they've their kind of presence has had some sort of sort of effect on newer people coming into the industry, right? I um, um, I, I I remember I remember the story from um, one of one of the sort of the pr products that we invested in. Uh, basically, the founder basically found his entire sort of co-founding team like through a really popular forum in Hong Kong called like Lin Dang, which is basically like a it's kind of like a Reddit. You think of it as like Reddit of the Reddit of Hong Kong. I basically just like there was a crypto forum and basically he was just like talking to random people on there and he basically was like, oh yeah, I'm doing this thing. Would you guys be down to join me and build this thing? And that's how I kind of roped people in. And he's kind of like an OG. And so I do think that um, having people in the space who stayed in Hong Kong, who never really left has been quite instrumental in kind of attracting more people to the industry. And obviously the government regulations help a lot too. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, it's really nice to see that the government is really supportive right now, right? I'm, I'm sorry to hear the JPEX uh, incident, right? I kind of just quick Google, Googled it while you were talking about it. And yeah, it's quite surprising, man. I think I saw a liner that says that they were even a platinum sponsor for Token 2049 in Singapore, like just that last month, two months ago. No, yeah, yeah. like um, the day before the news broke, their booth was like full ton of people and then right when the news broke the next day they like vacated their booth and there's like wow. everyone just left and so obviously it's like you know um obviously it's because their company's in trouble but um yeah like it's it's quite disheartening to see this kind of stuff i mean i'm sure there was a lot of people who put their savings on there and, and mm -hmm. like FTX, right it's like it's like kind of our version of ftx at a smaller scale and right kind of stuff it's just it's not very good for the people involved them or, or the industry for that matter. Right. So like you mentioned, the community in Hong Kong, like the crypto community is not super huge, right? But like, are there more, is it mostly like retail investors or like mostly funds, VCs like, like yourself or like more of the dev teams kind of thing? Hmm. I think Hong Kong definitely has a lot of capital, family offices, ultra high network individuals, VCs that are, agnostic slash interested or invested but i would say that's a very small minority for the ones that are already invested um i think in terms of devs there is a community here but i don't think it's anywhere near the size of like the us or like a, or, or or like um like if i were to compare across cities right like la has a really big crypto community or like you know um, new york has a big crypto community and so i think if you were to make that comparison, Hong Kong is still quite small, um, especially because most most people who work in Hong Kong typically gun for three to four main professions, uh, finance, insurance, real estate, and maybe law. And those are usually the more popular ones. And so there's a lot of people in crypto who basically kind of got like orange pilled or ETH pilled and they jumped jumped ship over to crypto, right? But the majority still remain in these typically very traditional industries that are quite lucrative. Um, and to kind of to kind of um, circle back to the dev community, I think they exist, but um, 
I would say that hmm, the majority of the talents that work in tech usually go overseas. Like they go, they go to the States or they might mm -hmm. go to China, for example, just because um, cost of living is probably lower. Uh, pay is probably better. Hong Kong does pay like like we do try to pay like I in my to my knowledge and my experience I, we do try to pay a lot for engineers but um, it's just not that competitive compared to the working hours and the you know the the the, the, the constant benefits offered by a lot of bigger tech companies overseas. I see, I see, right. And then circling back to to the point of you being a VC analyst, right? So you kind of touched a bit on doing some PM roles, so. Could you, would you be able to share a little bit more about like what's your job scope on like what's your day-to-day -day kind of things that you do as a VC analyst? Sure, sure. Yeah, so I think, as I mentioned before, my role is kind of split into three main categories. The first thing is PMing. And PMing, basic, I think, um, let me kind of really quickly run through uh, like kind of what like Hailstone Labs, which is basically the incubator slash VC that I work at, like what they do. And then, then I think describing my kind of day-to-day -day would make a lot more sense because there's no context, right? I have to say, oh, I do all these things. It's like kind of weird. Um, so basically, yeah, so as, as I mentioned, we're a VC, we also incubate. And by incubate, we, after we write the ticket, right? Um, we, if we think a pro project is you know, particularly promising or, you know, has a bright future, we uh, work very closely with the founders to provide um, any sort of operational support you can imagine. So we were talking from day one, like designing the algorithm, stress testing and running simulations all the way to developing it, doing the marketing, doing the go to market, um, you know, and then up the kind of post launch operation. So we cover the full spectrum of a protocol's life cycle. Um, and so when I say PMing, basically I'm kind of working with, um, working with like devs, marketers, designers uh, to make to make sure that everything is sort of delivered on time, on budget, and to kind of to make sure and to kind of steer the protocol or product in a way that makes sense strategically. I think that's kind of at a high level what I do. And the day-to-day -day is a lot of just phone calls, meetings, um, reviewing other people's work, um, minimizing friction between different parties because devs and People in marketing and <laughs> designers, they just have very different timeframes, very different priorities and very different um, areas of focus. And so uh, that when everyone's kind of tunneled in and focused on their own work, um, it's very easy for them to kind of forget the bigger picture. And oh, by the way, you know, this had this needs to launch next week. So I understand you want to make this button really pretty, but <laughs> that's not gonna, <laughs> you know, that's not the most important thing right now, right? And mm -hmm. to a dev, they might go, oh, you know this is the best way to code this. But then again, people launch in a week. Um, I'm sure that's, that's the best way to code it. And you, but you don't have to do that now. Right. And so just kind of ironing out these frictions. Um, so setting up, a, setting up a system and a workflow for, to make sure everyone's able to perform at their best um, while making compromises that doesn't kind of subtract away from making the best possible product. Yeah. So I think that's kind of in a nutshell, like PMing. Um, and then the second thing I do is I, I still do like research for uh, for health for Hillsong Labs, and basically what that means is um, every week we basically look into a sector or a protocol or an industry, um, and we basically just try to learn the ins and outs of what's happening. Right. Um, so 
as I mentioned, it can be something as microscopic as, oh, like what's the, like, you know, looking at liquidation mechanisms, oh, like what's the best, as to date, what's like the best performing liquidation mechanism? Like how do we, how do we measure that? Um, how do you define best performing, right? Is it, you know, by least amount of liquidations? Is it by, you know, the efficiency? Is it by, and then after that, we kind of look at the different protocols doing things and we look into the mechanisms. So that's kind of like the microscopic side of things. And if we kind of zoom out, we would look at like whole verticals, right? Oh, like op like options finance. What, what what are the top players? How are they? How do they differentiate? Or maybe the perp dexes, you know, like uh, like what are the, what are the parameters they use to kind of to try to outcompete each other? Whether it's like you know fees, um, open interest limits, um, you know, the way they structure their their debt pools, for example. So these sorts of things, um, and that's kind of the things that we look at now. Um, and then the last thing I do is I do a bunch of BD for for Hailstone. Um, so this involves like you know getting on calls, introduce, introducing what we do, um, sourcing deals, uh, and you know prospective clients as well. That's because we do we do we do do advisory um, for a lot of projects too. So yeah, that's kind of like a nutshell of what I do. Mm -hmm. Right now I know where you get all your content ideas for right. <laughs> your your no, yeah, yeah, yeah. things. Yeah right, yeah like, and. Um, like, Sorry, you go ahead. No, no, yeah, no, no, you, you go ahead, you go ahead. I was just saying, now I know um, where you got the idea to kind of do the threads, right? Like, I think recently, the one that you did was the push versus pull oracle. So I'm guessing you guys did a short meeting recently on that topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so that, was, that, that was something that, that, I, that I researched in particular, and that was just seemed like a good throwaway just oh this is how everything works because we uh because Chainlink came up with data streams and we were just like oh like what's actually different and so we just kind of dove deep into it um well i personally did i'm sure some of my colleagues are very mm -hmm. well versed on the topic already but that was just more of like a personal thing um yeah like you know um i think the scope of research uh can yeah i think it's quite wide which, which, is, which is something i'm quite happy about just because um, I get to learn a lot of really, really cool things from a lot of very, very intelligent people who are, you know, who are quite young, but quite astute. Um, like the other day, we had one of our colleagues do a presentation on optimization and what that actually means. He basically showed us a bunch of very, very advanced like statistical models that actually, it's, it's kind of like you can only say you're optimized if you do those things and to our understanding like a lot of protocols that say they're optimized don't do those things. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll probably butcher the explanation, so I'm gonna <laughs> just explain what it is, but um, I'm sure maybe I'll like write something on it in, in the future, but yeah, that's, that's something that was really cool. Um, and, and, I'm too, and, I, and I am quite like grateful to be in this kind of environment. I think it's something that is quite unique. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and I think it's really helpful that it's very kind of you as well, right, to post this kind of content out because I do learn from the things that you post, right? It's, I think it's a bit different, and and I do learn from the things that you you write because I would not have looked into it myself. So thank you for doing that, man. No, no, yeah, yeah, no, thank you for reading too. Um, yeah, I think, uh, in some strange way, I do want to like pay it forward because I remember when I first started, like I took to to uh, quote Ruth from Ozark. I didn't know just anything like I just I didn't know like Jack and so um I was quite lucky to have sort of information not like given to me per se but just I have it presented in a way from people who 
at least seemed like they knew what they were talking about. And it was just a good way for me to absorb a lot of information really, really quickly. So I do think that crypto, um, it's like one of those things where everything you need to know is like available online publicly and for free, mm -hmm. right? But then most of us are quite used to learning in a very, very structured way. So you go to school, you go to class, week one, you learn this topic, week two, you learn this topic. It's like addition, subtraction, once you have the basics, you learn multiplication and then division, and then you learn about like you know decimal points, negative numbers, right? So it's like a you follow a very very linear progression, and it's and it's tried and tested, and it's and it, and it works because most kids go through that system, right? Uh, like including us too. Um, but when you, for something like crypto, there's no curriculum, there's no right way to do things, and you just kind of have to like figure out what, like how to learn almost, and um, so yeah, I, I am quite grateful for just having all this people writing about just anything online and posting it for free. And that's kind of how I learned a lot too. And so mm -hmm. I do feel this sort of sense of like, oh, when I do this, I'm also kind of paying it forward and making sure that you know the next kid, you know, who's like maybe 15 or 16 in high school or like who's 10, who's like, oh, I like crypto. They can read something and learn something from it. And that's, that is like sort of part of the, part of the motivation of why I do it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm pretty sure someone will or someone already has made up some kind of causes of how to get into crypto, like, like lesson 1 to 10, right? But it might not be the most, um, the best way of learning it compared to really looking into information yourself and trying it out on your own, doing all those clicks and making the transactions yourself, right? So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you, you have to like participate to actually yeah, learn about it. Exactly. Right, and then moving on to the next topic, Right, since I think I would like to think that you're a great investor yourself, right? Or at least you know what are the frameworks to look for in investing as an analyst. Could you run us through your own personal investing framework of like what do you look at before you click that buy button? Sure. I would like to preface by saying I don't think I'm a great investor. <laughs> <laughs> I just I invest. I'm not like a great investor. I think I think that's a, that's a very very that's a bit of a long shot. Um. Oh, I, I would say that before I kind of get into like how I personally do things, I, I will kind of stress something that I find quite interesting, which is, um, I'm not sure this is widely known, but there's something that I observed is that um, I, I see a lot of threads and I see a lot of um, sort of posts talking about, hey, this VC invested in this, or hey, you know, this uh, person, um, or oh, this really prominent figure invested in this company, uh, you know, either in like a Series A or mm -hmm. you know a seed or pre-seed, for example, right? Um, but then the I think the investment approach that a VC takes versus like like a retail investor should take is quite different, because um, because because VCs have like you know their investing schedules, you know some of them have like uh, some of them have like you know they have to deploy X percent capital by X by X amount of time. Or else, you know, something something bad happens, right? Um, and so, a lot of them, kind of, like their time frame is simply a lot longer, and they're not really sort of traders per se. Like they're they're really people who just put money down for a long period of time, and they their 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 scope of concern and their scope of um, analysis is very less so. So what's happening in the next month or two months or three months or half a year, but more so like what's happening in the next three years, 
five years and whether or not this particular protocol or product can survive for that long and thrive you know, after that long period of time. Um, and if, if I were to compare it to what I personally look at and what I think, or at least what I believe works in crypto, I think it's very different. I guess we'll talk about, I'll talk a bit about like portfolio. So this is just specific to crypto. Um, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like your typical degen. Like I, I, I do go for a more stable approach, uh, mostly Bitcoin and ETH. Um, if I have ETH, it's mo most of it is uh, deployed in some liquid staking protocol, averaging you know three to four percent um, APY paid in ETH, and then um, depending on how the market is doing, or I may or may not stake that. Uh, I may not. I may or may not borrow stable coins against it to basically like do some more farming uh, and kind of loop it. Right now, I am doing that, doing a little bit of that, but then I typically don't. It just really depends on like how the market is going. Um, and I leave maybe, I want to say like two, oof, like twenty-five to thirty percent in like alts, like basically anything that's not Bitcoin and ETH um, or stable coins, um, and then. I would say I have like probably right now like thirty percent cash, yeah, and then so thirty thirty and then like forty Bitcoin and ETH, kind of like evenly split, but recently leaning more a bit towards Bitcoin, um, just because of the ETF, um, and out of the alts. Uh, I have like a very, very small, like maybe three to 5%. That's like strictly for just like, like shit coins. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and believe it or not, I do think there is some way, like there are people who are, who are consistently very good at just picking out shit coins. They probably have an allocation or they know, they know the team or something. I think that definitely exists. But then there are people who just kind of know what to look for. Uh, I'm not really an expert at that, so I just kind of look at things uh, and I go, okay, well, so, so I, I'm not sure if you're familiar, right? But then if you follow kind of like the, uh, you know, crypto cycles, it's like Bitcoin runs and then after mm -hmm. Bitcoin, ETH starts running and then with ETH kind of starts coming up, the alts run with ETH as well. And, and then after that, it's like meme coin, shitcoin season. Mm -hmm. So um, I do think that that cycle plays out quite, it has kind of repeated itself non-stop even during the mini sort of run up from like 16 to 18k uh back like back in last december right like when 2023 started it basically had a massive run up and then after that we had like 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 meme coin season that's when pepe got really good yep. um so i think i first I, I usually try to figure out like what stage of the cycle we're at right now like right now am i looking at bitcoin i'm looking at eth am i looking at alts i'm looking at meme coins and then after that um, I look at narratives as well. So what are some things that most people will throw money at that, um, you know, that, that basically is on, is on everyone's mind. But yeah, so I look at that. And then after that, I look into the protocols. Um, I typically do kind of like a comparison of like the TVLs, the volume, if they, if they generate revenue, I look at the revenue numbers as well. And then I also look at kind of like potential catalysts. And what, well, before that, I, I guess I'll drill a bit more down into the revenue bit. Um, 
I basically figure out, try to think of what needs to be true in order for this protocol to make money or have a higher TVL. Um, so, so, so give an example, right? Let's say, um, I don't know, uh, a new DEX launches on base, for example. Um, and so by extension, in order for a DEX to be successful, it needs liquidity, right? So then I'll look, okay, well, what's, what's the TVL right now? Are there any new protocols building? How, how well are they funded? If they're funded, are they going to pick that specific DEX? Does it have any competitors? And for example, is it integrated with like one inch or any aggregators that could potentially, you know, be used to route more volume to the DEX? Um, and then I was looking at like partnerships, like what kind of what significant steps are the team taking to make their product more composable, right? And I think a good example of this is like kind of, um, I won't say this is a direct example, but for example, something like GLP, um, it was just a very, very composable asset. And a lot of protocols started building on top of it, like GMD, GND, like Jones, Rage, like was a Rage trade, yeah, Rage trade. Um, and so, when you see something like this, you kind of inherently know that, okay, well, there's going to be a lot more people LPing into the pools. Um, and that's going to create some sort of like potentially positive effect on the protocol. And then after I kind of sense that, oh, there is a potential room for growth, um, I'll, 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 then I'll kind of look at, okay, um, like how is it actually doing? And I'll actually go into like token terminal, um, look at Dune, look at DeFi Llama. So I wouldn't say there's anything like special about what I do, it's just kind of doing your homework. Like I genuinely don't think that there's anything sort of like special, like there's no secret sauce, it's really just doing your homework, like going through everything in a kind of a systematic way um, that works for you specifically. I also don't think there's like a right answer. It's more just what works well for you, given your personal investment timeframe, the capital you have and how much risk you're willing to take. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of, at a high level, like what I do, um, happy like like answer questions if you want to draw that on it. Yeah, I think that's a really well-rounded answer that you gave. So, yeah, a couple of questions from me. Uh, first one would be then. So you mentioned the the flow cycle, right? Where Bitcoin will rise first, followed by Ethereum, and then out, and then like, meme coins. So, what which given the past past few days of price action. Right, like we're recording this on the 25th of October. Where do you think we are at right now? Like which part of the cycle? Mm, right now, okay, so <laughs> there's kind of like two ways I think this could play out. If Bitcoin breaks 40k, then then I think we'll have, then I think we'll have a proper like full cycle of like, oh, ETH will go up, alts will go up and um, we're talking like slightly face ripping, uh, like like melt ups as well. Like they'll be quite violent rip rip ups. Um, but if it doesn't, uh, and it kind of just stays at where it stays where it's at now and starts fizzling, then I don't think we'll get to that point. Because um, there was a really big run up, but it's not, or at least I personally don't think it's sizable enough to cause to, to have that kind of cascading effect. If you know what I mean, like 16k to 30k is like nearly double, versus like you go from what 28 to 30. Well, it spiked to 36, but it's kind of averaging out of 34. So we'll say 30. We'll say you know like a 6k run up, which is still impressive. Like 25% increase is still really impressive. It's just it's not like the it doesn't ha it doesn't have that 
that um i guess that like that, that robustness that i think that needs to make that's needed to make this happen so yeah so nice. it's like so it's, it's still like based on probability if it, if it does go to that 40k then i think it's we're very much then you know everyone should basically start looking at alts uh, looking at you know be, uh, beta plays like stacks or i you know or bitcoin layer two to see if they have a token those probably go up and then look at eth look at layer twos um big top protocols on layer twos and then kind of trickle down to like you know meme coins and that kind of stuff nice i actually really like your answer because um i, I just released an episode earlier today right with giga who, who kind of did a bit of a ta episode there and i think you guys gave really similar answers right like even though he's using ta and i think you're kind of more of a fundamentals guy right um he kind of provides the, the same thought as you where he thinks it's okay right i hope i'm not twisting his words here right uh, he thinks it's, it's a pretty okay move but uh he would like to see it push further upside as well to to really go full-on bullish yeah yeah, yeah. You you need to get some phone calls from your friends going, dude, should I buy Bitcoin? And then that's kind of, you know, because mm. <laughs> <laughs> I got some phone calls uh, and, oh. and early, early, early 2020, I was like, okay, we're, 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 we're kind of back. We're, 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 we're out of the trenches. And so, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I do agree with his, with his viewpoint. Yeah. When those people start texting you, it's the time we're going to start selling, right? Slowly start selling. See, I actually think Ooh, I, I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> some people might put me on blast for this, but I actually think when people start texting you, um, there, I personally would take it as a sign to hold on for a, bit, a little bit longer. You wish you should take profits, but you just hold it, definitely hold a bit longer because, um, obviously like, I don't, I'm not saying like, use your friends as extra liquidity, be like, Hey, yeah, bye, bye. <laughs> and then sell all your Bitcoin. Right. No, don't, don't like, like that's, 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 that's a bit morally, you know, that's a, uh, you know, no, I know what you mean. It's like, yeah, like when they come in, it's nearing the top, right? But it's like not at the exact point, but we're almost there, right? Yeah, yeah. I think when your aunties and uncles and, you know, you're, they they ask you, hey, so what's this Bitcoin thing? Then, you know, okay, well, that's, we're, we're, we're kind of there. Um, yeah. <laughs> when you see the taxi, taxi driver trading as he drives in, yeah, that's the sign. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, moving on to a, a, my second question would then be, you kind of mentioned about thinking and deciding to what people would throw money into, right? Um, before to to kind of decide which which ops to buy. But like, dude, you remember the hamster racing thing? There was no way where I would think like, hey, this hamster racing coin is gonna go up. Like everyone's gonna buy this thing, right? You know what I mean? No. <laughs> No, yeah, I remember, I remember, yeah, yeah. Um, um, hmm. I think, I don't really have, like, an answer to that. I think it's more just keep an open mind um, to a lot of things. Um, like, I, like <laughs> um, when Pepe was, like, around 5 million uh, FTV, um, a few of my colleagues and I actually talked about buying some Pepe, and then mm -hmm. we looked at gas, and it was, like, it was like twenty five dollars. Like ah, <laughs> screw that. We're we're not buying Jack, and then and then the rest is history, right? So, right. so um, I definitely think keep an open mind, and that's kind of also why like you, you 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 try to, you you keep an open mind, 
And then you also have like a kind of like an investment framework. Okay. Anything that's basically not something that I can like, you know, physically experience or use into something for fun that I still want to get exposed to, for example, right? Then you would look into your framework and go, okay, I can only risk 0.001% for this or like, I don't know, like 0.1% for this, right? And so that way you still get your satisfaction out of, you know, buying like a hamster racing thing. Gambling. Um, yeah, you still, you still, yeah, well, let's, let's, let's call it an educated guessing. Uh, um, you, you, you still get that satisfaction of being exposed to it. But then, you know, if it does turn sour, you don't, you, you don't have to worry about, you know, like not having food for the next week, right? So I do, I, so I do think that like having an open mind, but then also applying like a framework on top of it and just thinking, okay, for this thing, I'm only probably going to risk like maybe like 150, $200. Like I'm not like, mm -hmm. you know, if I, if it goes, if it goes bad, I'll add it to my list of, I'll add it to my grave, graveyard of NFTs that I you know, <laughs> I've done. And if it goes well, great, you know, I'll see how far I can take it. And it's like, you know, no, no, no harm, no foul. And I can sleep happy. And I think that's probably more productive in the long run, like, <laughs> like not mm -hmm. being super stressed and betting the house on anything. I like how you kind of phrase it as satisfying your, yourself by, by owning it instead of using the word gamble. <laughs> I would say gamble, yeah. right? Just yeah. literally throwing money everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think most people are probably not super disciplined. Like, I, I wouldn't consider myself like a super disciplined person. Like, I, I am quite... Um, it's very easy to get distracted or attract or enticed by new things coming on the market um and you can just kind of black it in and say okay you know what this is ridiculous i'm not going to try it and that's fine but i do think that kind of removes the fun of being crypto just a little bit you know like you're, you're i'm not saying you should go gamble but i'm saying that when something new comes out and it seems quite interesting like front tech or unlonely or the hamster thing you were talking about just go check it out you and if you do get involved don't bet the house on it just put a bit in Kind of get a feel for it, understand how it works, and that I think pays will pay you some sort of dividend in the future when you come across something similar. You know, okay, this might take off. So if I want to trade it, how would I trade it? Versus like having no prior exposure, having no prior experience, you don't actually know how to trade something like this in the future. Because yeah, yeah. So that's kind of something I've realized too. Nice, well said, man. And then moving on to to the next question for me would then be. What is something that you're excited about right now in the space? What is something that I'm excited about right now? Hmm. I think I'm not personally super sort of so okay, stripping away all the stripping away the kind of the how CBDCs like violate the quote unquote ethos of you know of crypto, right? Like decentralization and stuff. Mm -hmm. I do think that um, CBDCs are going to give the industry a lot of legitimacy. Um, that bar not. Like um, and I, I and I do think that um, and, and the reason for that's quite simple. Um, it's far more easier for me to explain to again like i use uncles and aunties again because i do think that's just kind of like the most crypto 
you know, they, they're the most like, you know, they're the most like, oh, what is this? This is like magic internet money. Like, you know, you're scamming people. <laughs> this makes any sense, right? Um, I think getting them to use like WeChat Pay and Alipay was already like a really big win. Just like, oh, virtual currency. You don't have to, you know, touch your money, right? And then, and then like baby stepping them from that to like, hey, um, you can now, now like all of your money is going to be completely digitized, right? Or most of it will be digitized. And when you send people money, when you do a transaction, um, all that is going to be done like super quick, super seamlessly. Um, it'll scan your face and then you can send stuff out, right? Um, I, I think once they kind of realize, oh, by the way, like our country's national currency is run on this thing called a blockchain, right? And my nephew, who is in blockchain, is doing something similar. I think that's when they'll connect and ask, oh, actually, like, this is not something that's like just um, like a figment of people's imagination or something that's used for gambling, money laundering, and, you know, all, all forms of other crime. There's actually some legitimate use case for this. And the government is kind of a big proponent of it. Because I would say the most people on this planet walking around right now um, either don't care about crypto, they think it's a scam, or they still hold very, very um, dogmatic beliefs about why crypto is bad, right? And having, and and, and I'm talking, and I'm speaking from the perspective of like an sort of like a like what we I don't like to use to use the word normies. I just say people who don't use crypto, right? I think. Explaining to them how like options work or like an Interfi saving account works is already quite challenging. And now you're asking them to kind of understand blockchain. I think that's also quite challenging as well. But then having a government say, hey, by the way, we're going to make this, we're going to use our, our entire national currency will now be on the blockchain. And all of your funds will be sent and transacted on there. You'll pay your taxes there. Um, you know, like when, uh, when you... If your country has some sort of like uh, um, like 401k or MPF equivalent policy, right, it will be automatically credited to your account. That money is going to be yours forever. No one can ever steal it. You will hold the keys to it forever. You will own it, even if your insurance provider shuts down, or you know, there's heaven forbid, there's some act of God that temporarily shuts down, like something. You will still have access to your funds. I think the sort of the significance and the I guess like the groundbreakingness of what's actually happening might finally hit people because right now um, I think the biggest issue that we have, at least just personally, is just it's still like legitimacy. I would say it's still the biggest issue right now. Like I'm sure there's a lot of smart people in the industry. I'm sure there's a lot of brain power going into like making things better. But right now, um, to in the eyes of the average person, crypto is still a very very niche or fringe industry that basically just, you know, cause the world a lot of pain, right? Back in like November, right? Mm -hmm. And then the, and the trial is still ongoing, right? And so to really get rid of that image, you have to have like governments come out and say, okay, this is going to work. This is going to do well. Banks will start using blockchains as well. And I think once you have those things in place, um, I think that's probably what's going to set everything in motion. So that, so CBDCs are, and just personally, I do think that's kind of going to be our, like, I want to say our ticket to, like, mass adoption, but it will definitely open the doors to people going, okay, let's meet, let me look into this, right? Because right now we're still at the early adopters, you know, everyone, like, crypto is really just a bunch of, you know, I guess, like, 
somewhat nerdy people just kind of going, oh, this is really cool. Like what I'm doing is really cool, right? And then <laughs> for that to actually become widespread, uh, it'll take some time. But I do think that having having some governmental approval, clear regulatory frameworks and government advocacy for the usage of it, I think that'll change. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that you mentioned there. So kind of using CBDCs, right, as uh, I quote, like onboarding them onto blockchain, right, uh, where they don't really need to understand how blockchain works, I, I think, right? Just like how most people would not go and figure out how, how the transaction behind a Visa or a Master's transaction works, right? So I think the kind of knowledge that will be passed down just that it's more secure, it's um, immutable in a sense, right? And people just get the general idea of how it works, but they do not need to dive too deep, like technically into how blockchain works. And then from there on, like, like you mentioned, right, because since we're already using blockchain, like on our national currency, then crypto as we know it, it's not, then crypto as we know it is then not such a, so, so far away from them, right? It's a kind of a familiar thing then. It's just one yeah, step away, yeah. right? So yeah, that's a really interesting thing. Thank you for yeah. sharing, man. Yeah, yeah, I think the TLDR is basically um, CBDCs, widespread use of CBDCs enable the same sort of abstract, complete abstraction or just kind of um, the, the, enable the same sort of back end abstraction slash blindness that we're kind of used to um, with like credit cards, for example. Like no one actually knows what happens when you swipe your credit card or when you use your phone to like tap a machine and pay. They just know what works. And they trust that it works because, you know, the government says, hey, this is okay, we're regulating this and this works, right? And obviously this is kind of against the ethos of crypto, as I mentioned, but I do think that that's like probably the most powerful catalyst that we have. Um, so yeah, yeah. Right, awesome. So now let's kind of hear your take on the, the broader markets, right? Um, kind of just mostly on the price action of the, the markets of where do you think since we had quite a few up candles and you, you also mentioned right that you kind of want to see it push further up um to kind of push this price keeping moving right um where do you see the markets going like in the next few months leading up to the bitcoin halving right mm. where do i see the markets going um so i personally think the like the macro environment is not looking very good um china us both economies are not doing well um there's you know war in the middle east war in between russia and ukraine so i do think geopolitics and macro have a huge effect on like basically investor sentiment in general um so i would say that I am just very, very cautiously bullish. I think it's probably the word. Do I want a bull run, like a mini bull run? Sure, I would definitely welcome it. I would love to see it push past perhaps 40K to kind of like lock in, okay, this is where it's going. Um, and I, I, I do want to see that it's like, you know, constant inflow of capital into exchanges Kind of moving the price up as opposed to just like market makers going oh let's just let's just shoot this up to 40k and see what happens right um 
yeah, so I would say cautiously bullish um, running up to the halving. If we do get a bull run before the halving, um, I'm not sure if that would be better or worse actually, because um, yeah, I'm actually I'm not sure, not sure how that would work. Um, but I would say that yeah, I think I would see love to see it push past 40k. Um, right now, I do think it's going to retrace a little bit. If it holds like I think 32 or 30, um, then we can kind of we can start hoping. <laughs> we can start thinking, <laughs> okay, maybe maybe there's some hope here and uh, consider you know can consider investing. Um, but I think in the in, in the long run, I would say that um, like I personally, I'm a huge fan of like DCAing. I know people say this a lot, but I just think it it just works. Um, so. Yeah, so if you're not someone who's particularly good at trading or you're not someone who can constantly monitor the markets, I just think having a solidified investing habit just lets you basically maximize your gains over a long period of time. Like it takes away a lot of the guesswork, I would say. Like when like when Bitcoin was 28k you logically will never buy, right? Unless you're a really, really good and really, really good trader or investor. Like if, if like if you're someone who's just, you know, who's just in crypto, but not particularly good at these things like myself, like I, I don't fancy myself a super, super good trader. Um, and so just having that framework, having that, having, having like sort of like an instilled habit of just, okay, I'm going to put X amount of money into these things. Maybe when it dips, you can add like a you know you can you can always put a small spin on it, but then the core principle remains okay. I'm gonna invest in this, and I think that's kind of what allowed me to ride this kind of ride this wave up and take some profits on the way up. Because um, if I just was just waiting forever for like 18k again, that no one knows if that's gonna happen, right? Like we saw that that you know a, you know some coin telegraph intern just decided to pump the market and <laughs> we're, we we hit 36k in like well like two days three days so um you just don't know it's just so unpredictable that you don't know right and obviously and again like i'm going to argue against myself and say oh you know macro is really bad but again like if if, if an etf is approved um if an etf is approved like we're gonna you know my sideline really quickly exactly yeah so if you, if you don't want to be sidelined just build that habit slowly slowly add money in over time and you uh, you will definitely make some money yeah so, yeah yeah i think that's that's really good advice right like for me not not financial advice right but for me i think anything below two thousand dollars if you could just be stacking them constantly and you'll be getting at least like a 3x right minimum back to all-time highs so yeah totally agree with what you just said man. and then um moving on to the next segment right because i think that's all we have for the crypto segment so now let's move on to get to know a bit more personal with the winter soldier right could you run us through the day in the life of winter soldier like i know you kind of mentioned a bit of what you do in day-to-day jobs previously but maybe there's more like I don't know, maybe there's some more to your routine besides work, right? Or maybe like your weekends, what do you do? So please, the stage is yours. <laughs> no, yeah. No, yeah, every day I just, uh, I just 
go back to the office. I sit there till 11 p.m. and then I go home. That's it. No, I'm kidding. No, no. Um, <laughs> no, that's yeah. Um, I, yeah, so in the mornings, I either go for a run or um, I, I like go to the gym. Um, I just, I just do it because I like doing it in the mornings because I don't have to, I hate waiting in line for, to use like a machine or like to use like the power cage. Oh. I just, <laughs> and when yeah. people are on their phones, I'm just like, I don't want to spend more than like an hour and a half in the gym if I don't have to. Like I, like I time my rests. I make sure I'm as efficient as possible just because like, it's really easy to just spend like two hours in the gym, but then I just don't think you need to spend that much time to get results. And so I, and so yeah, I go for runs as well in the morning. Um, I am a big fan of heart rate, heart rate maxing, as I've heard from, uh, I think it was Dan from Blockmates who said that. Nice. Was it Rec the Amenities? I forgot. But basically, they were like, we need like vibe max, sun max, and the heart rate max. And I was like, yeah, that's, I think I, I agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. so I do these things in the morning. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I, I typically work till like seven, eight ish at night. And then I usually go home, cook myself dinner. Um, that time after that, it's split between kind of like time with family, time with friends. Uh, I'll maybe take some calls at night too. I would like spend time with my girlfriend, and that's kind of like the the those are like the main things that I do. Um, outside of that, um, I sometimes like I picked up DJing as a hobby back in like university and I've just kind of stuck with it since. So oh, interesting. I like go DJ at like a party or like, or like, you know, some, some event, you know, so maybe it's like a, like a, uh, like a cocktail bar or something. I'll like, <laughs> I'll like play some music outside. Yeah. yeah. Man, um, you're going to be like the, the Goldman CEO. <laughs> DJ no, no, yeah. 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 Um, I think that's really cool. Uh, I, yeah. Cause I, I did grow up playing like instruments and like, singing and so i just kind of i like having that creative that creative outlet to you know, to be expressive and um as like stress relief i think it's just great yeah nice and i think i've seen you post a few pictures of like hiking views right from your hikes in hong kong like do you hike frequently yeah 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 on weekends i hike uh i do hike quite frequently um most recently it's because i'm preparing for this race uh that's in like two weeks it's like a oh. 22k trail run and so i've just been aggressively trying to get my kind of like cardio back up and just kind of like work on my breathing work on my pacing um so yeah so most of the mountains that i hike are like part of the course and so i just kind of like see how long i'll take and then piece it together and see if i can if i'll make the time limit um but yeah yeah i think yeah i i do think i like hiking um i like being out in nature touching grass is great i think I think we should do this thing called proof of nature. Just everyone should just go out and like you know, feel the sun, you know, touch the grass, put your feet in the sand. Um, it's just nice. Yeah, you get more definitely. oxygen, get more endorphins. That's good. Yeah. Yep, totally, man. And all the best for your race in the coming week, coming two weeks, right? Oh no, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Right, and then I would like to end off with three questions. Right, with the first one being the greatest takeaway. From being in crypto there is always the next thing yeah i think that's probably it's like very vague but um this is mostly used in the context of like fomoing mm-hmm. um, i think like 
I think I, I think that's probably the most, I, in my opinion, that's like the most destructive thing you can do. Crypto is like just FOMOing in or buying because like, oh, I, I didn't buy this, right? Um, but I do think you have to realize that we're still really early in the industry. And as we keep progressing, there'll be more and more things for us to invest in and to buy and to rotate into, right? Um, people who bought Shib, Shiba or Doge are, they might've bought Pepe, but then, you know, like there was Pepe, right? And I'm sure they'll be the next thing, for example. I, I hate to use meme coins as an example, but then just, I think it's like the most illustrative, like there's always the next thing. You just have to pay attention and you know, constantly be on the lookout for it. And just don't like make decisions because you perceive like, it's basically like an emotional decision you make because you believe you've lost money, but you actually haven't, you just didn't make any money. And I think that's very different. So, and th there's always the next thing. So just, if, if you miss it, if you miss a train, that's okay. Just move on to the next thing. And I think having mm -hmm. that sort of like, kind of um, was it like, like process driven thinking, what's next, what's next? I think that has served me quite well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that'll be pretty useful in the coming cycle, right? Where I'm pretty sure there will be a lot of such days that we had just experienced, right? Where lots of breakouts, lots of huge green candles where people will be FOMOing, right? I think that that will be the time where what you just shared is something to really keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, to give an example, right, like Fetch AI. So when ChatGPT came out last year, um, Fetch went up a lot, Ocean went up a lot. I missed both of the, both of those, but then I kind of realized, oh, uh, people are going to speculate on AI. So I just basically bought a bunch of like AI tokens, um, and they, they basically just they basically caught the wave up as well. And so I think that kind of that's a kind of the principle in action in a way, where it's like, okay, look. I miss this, I miss this, but instead of going like, oh, should I buy Fetch now? Should I buy Ocean now? Just what's like, what's next, right? Like, what is what, what else is going to happen? It's like, okay, people want to be able to speculate on AI without, and there exists no way for people to speculate on AI other than in crypto with AI tokens. So, you know, look into that. And that's kind of how I managed to make some, make a little bit of profit doing that. And I think that's, like, I hope that example is like, you know, demonstrative of like what, what you can do uh, with, with what I've learned here. Right. Thanks for sharing. And then the second question would then be, what is one piece of advice you would give for your younger self? Um, a piece of advice I would give to my younger self. Um, aim high, shoot high. If you miss, you'll probably land somewhere closer to your target than if you didn't try to aim higher. Yeah, something like that. Something of that sort. Yeah. Right. Classic. And then the final question would then be: Could you give me three names as guest nominations to come on the show in future? Okay. Three names. Um, I think getting a was a crypto investor seventy seven, and I don't know who he is. Um, he's like a very active Frax, Curve and Convex uh, community member. Um, and the reason I nominate him is because he's just very good at getting alpha before it hits the market, just by being a very active 
community member. Um, but he's like arguably the best person at doing this, mm-hmm. hands down. And I think just getting an understanding of like how he thinks of these things, how he works, will be quite helpful. Um, second person is probably Emperor Osmo if he's if he's hasn't been on the show yet. Um, just had a conversation had a conversation with him last week. Um, it was quite recently. Mm-hmm. And um, he just seemed like a, he just came off as a very, very logical, um, sort of like process-driven um, person who quite literally started as a community member, um, right, in osmosis, and then just gradually built himself into this kind of Cosmos ecosystem powerhouse, and he. I think he runs marketing for Osmosis right now. He basically started off from like just being a community member, and so I think like that kind of story was for me quite quite inspiring. And I do think that that's a kind of a good story you can tell other people who are interested in crypto. It's like, hey, you can actually get your way into a you know into a really 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 nice job. Um, and then the final person. Oh, if you get a chance to interview um, interview him, I think it'll be I think it'll be quite fun. Um, I follow this guy called Tease Nuts, Tease Nuts Two or Tease Nuts Eleven. I forget. Um, I know his name does not sound like a. <laughs> I know he doesn't sound like the most um, inspirational or knowledgeable person ever, but um, he's very good. He's very good at like um, he's very good at trading alts mid caps, um, and he was one of the first people who kind of that I followed who caught onto the, the whole AI wave that I mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. and kind of like seeing what he was looking into was like oh was kind of confirmation for me that okay yeah this is something that is like uh, that I can use to my advantage. Um, so yeah, yeah. If you can get him on the show, I think he'll be quite funny. He's like a British guy, I think. Um, uh, and but I, like, I don't know him personally, but he just, he's just an account I've followed like on my personal account, also on like the winter soldier account for, for, for quite some time. And mm-hmm. he has a really, really good sense of humor. Uh, it's very knowledgeable, um, both as a trader and also as someone who I guess works in crypto. I believe he, uh, he works in the VC as well, according to his profile. So yeah, it'd be quite fun to have on the show. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pretty funny names in the space, right? But they always turn out to be the biggest brains, right? No, oh, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, yeah, and oh, not eleven. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah. send it to you after. after yeah, it. yeah, please. I, I was about to say I need you to link me to that. <laughs> um, anyway, Winter Soldier, it's been really nice chatting with you, right? Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share all these great insights with us. Um, before we go off, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Um, no, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I hope, hope, you know, I hope you were able to learn something from what I've said, uh, to whoever's listening, um, feel free to send me a DM if you have any questions or if you, you know, if you want to chat, I'm, 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 I'm quite easygoing. You can just, you know, shoot me a message. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Uh, thank you, Winter Soldier. And thank you for the listeners to tuning in to this episode. 
And that's all we have. We will see you in the next episode.